Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, welcome. Let's chat. It's hard. Do you want to talk? I know, that's disappointing. Sit back. Let's work this out. How's it going? What are we doing here? Where are you going? Hey, hey there. Wow. It's not always easy. It's amazing if you think about it. Let's think this about this. strange. I have some thoughts about that. Life is hard. Trauma bonded. Who in the world hates lesbians? Probably Christians. Fascists. Mm-hmm. Most religions, actually. Yes. A lot of Republicans, yeah. right? Oh, I said fascist. <gasps> <laughs> Wow. Okay. And also, according to our storyteller, activists and people in the civil rights movement. Well, is that? No, I'm just saying it was it was confusing to me that she was like way into, you know, changing the world, save the world, way into the women's movement, into debate, you know, all these things. And then she's like, oh, my God, I might be a lesbian. And it was like the worst thing to be ever. Right. right. I was like, but I thought... Yeah, I know. Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg here with Therese Garcia. And today we're discussing the rebroadcast of This Is Actually Happening, episode 148, What If You Killed Someone? A successful activist woman who has always been a do-gooder accidentally kills someone on her drive home in a car crash. And full disclosure, I am the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they go to wit for the final interview. And T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh. This show, Trauma Slash Bonded, is for the listeners, a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a little bit of levity. Was the, what did you think the heart of Shane's story was? I have a couple. The first being something we've talked about a lot in the past, about how life can really change in an instant. And a lot of times it is, just happens to us, right? could be an accident, something you just don't have control over necessarily. And then thinking about those things can make you feel a little bit crazy and like, you never mm-hmm. want to leave your house or something. But you got to go past that. 
but just to cherish life, right? As best you can, as much as you can, live your life as much as you can. My second heart of the story, and totally agree with Shane on this, you know, that, that cars are death yeah. machines. And really something I took away from it was like, unfortunately, to be vigilant and more careful all the time as you drive, you know? Yeah. It's not really a heart. I think that's a big part of her story, though. And I think that's a message that she's always communicating with. I mean, we can talk about death and all of that, uh, you know, and exis big existential ideas or ph philosophical ideas. But at the heart of her story, I think her message is be wary of cars. Yeah. They're not just sexy. They're not just utilitarian they can kill and it can happen in, in an instant and I definitely felt um, I think it's a, a reminder that we all need to have from time to time I think that we can get really complacent especially the longer we've been driving and um, I think it's important to also keep in mind that other people maybe aren't being vigilant so we need to drive defensively i'm a big believer in that i'm always watching out for what mm -hmm. other things other cars might be doing on the road and reacting accordingly and not to talk about myself but i am so annoyingly vigilant on the road that i'm kind of really difficult to be a passenger for a lot of people <laughs> and it's probably it's probably the one thing that Scott and I fight over the most. Mm. So it's almost got to the point where we cannot ride in the car together if he's driving. Like, I will lose it. But he has, he's come a long way. I love you, honey. You're a great passenger in my car because I try to be as safe as possible. You're a safe, vigilant, defensive driver. And I appreciate that. Thank you. So I ha also have several hearts of Shane's story. Um, I think that, you know, she talks about this quite a bit, that she'll always be sort of set apart from the human race in her mind, that there was her before this accident and definitely her after, and she's lived through something and dealt with something that maybe a lot of us never will, and that makes her feel set apart. Two, that death is close at hand. Three, that the personal is the political which she says early on in her story. And I, th I take that also to mean sort of the personal is the universal in being vulnerable and sharing the details of her story. She understands that it can move people to change. Four, cars are death machines. Mm, we had the same one. Yeah. And I think this is an important one too. Five, and this is where her story becomes more of like a tale of warning is just as we fear we might lose our life in a car crash, we need to be more vigilant to ensure that we don't cause the loss of life in a car crash. When I started driving, every time I drove a friend somewhere, my mom would always say to me, drive safe and take care because you're responsible for the lives of the people in your car. Of course, also people around us, but definitely the ones inside. And so I think that's a healthy point of view to have when you're driving. Oh yeah, it's good to be conscious of that. Though I will say, 
My parents would never drive any of their friends around ever. Just for the fear of liability? I guess. It was the weirdest thing. Like, I had to really push to drive my friends around after I got my license. And I was finally, they were finally, like, okay with it. But for themselves, they're, like, never. Do they have a, like, do they have a bad car crash in their history? Either one of them? No. No. And that's not, like, a cultural thing or something? I don't think so. Like, Filipinos and their jeepneys and there's, like, 100 people in there. I don't know. Well, I really have to say, like, Shane, her whole life is just a marvel. I mean, what this woman has been through. It's sort of heartbreaking to think that she put off college hoping to find out that she's not a lesbian. I mean, to have that realization that you might be gay and to think, okay, well, how am I going to work with this gayness as a university student? That it, that was so serious to her that she actually delayed it, hoping that the lesbianism would wear off or something like that. It doesn't. It doesn't, right. But she had to learn that for herself. And yeah. whoa. I, I also had to learn that myself as well. It took me years and did, years. Well, did you feel like you had a point where you thought you could get rid of it? Many years of that. Like decade kind of thing. And then I thought, when I really came out, I thought, I get it. I just love people. But no, I don't love people. You, well, I you don't. do. I do. I mean, I don't make You don't want to make love people. with everybody. You just want to make love with... The ladies. Yes. I mean, I know you said that you felt gay feelings as early as five years old. Came out when I was five. Yeah. And then yeah. I went right back in. Till I was 19. <laughs> but I was in there being like, you know, get that gay out of there for 14 years. And then when did you feel comfortable to really come out and be yourself? When I was 20, I came out. But that was when I loved pe- I said I love people. I just love this one lady. And then it wasn't until probably after we broke up when I was like 23 when I was like, I'm not looking for dudes at this yeah. point, you know? So 23 was when I was like owning the lesbianism. I thought it was interesting the way Shane talked about how she came out to her family. And then she mentions like having to live in her car. And it made me wonder, like, was she not accepted as being gay? I felt like that transition was, was strange. Yeah. Or did they reject her in some way for not going to college right away her coming from the seemingly like uh socially aware progressive it seems like family middle class it seems like they would have you know supported her did you think that was odd yeah i didn't know why she had to live yeah. in a car couldn't she just live with her yeah parents? i just wonder if there was a, like an acceptance issue or maybe yeah. it was just a pride issue she thought if i'm not gonna if I'm not going to go to school, I'm going to take care of myself no matter what it takes. And who working in the trades That's a lot. This, in this decade laying asphalt with all men. I mean, what a wicked experience. She's getting hit with chains, you know, yeah. you, you fell at a restaurant. One time you quit. I quit the next day. You know? Yeah, or I quit that night. Yeah, Yeah. she's getting hit. Yeah. 
<laughs> but she's getting left and right. They're harassing her. But yeah, the physical bit, like, it's dangerous. It really was. And I'm, I think it's just such a testament to how amazing she is that she not only was able to be accepted, but she used that position to one, learn, learn a lot about men's lives and two, to sort of affect change around her. You know, they stopped catcalling because she was able to express how it felt to be a woman and get catcalled. It's like really empathy in action. It's quite remarkable. And and it's it shows how profound that was for her because when she did finally go to college, she, you know, was said she couldn't sit in a room and hear people talk about working working class con- consciousness. It felt empty. And I love it that she transitioned that into the understanding that to change violent men, you have to work with them. Yeah. She could have written them off completely, mm-hmm. right? Just come into work, do her thing, get harassed, get hit a couple times. Yeah. But she was like, there's something else here. These are actual people and they have stories. And she was actually able to like bond with them. Yeah, and change them. Way better than, you know, yeah, in a classroom reading books about the working class. And that just makes me think about like politics today. And I think that it is really important that when we talk about toxic masculinity or feminism or anything like that, that we always should be including men in that conversation. Because you cannot have progress on one side without the other. And just as much as women are often um, downgraded or degraded, you know, men are facing circumstances too. You know, feminism truly is about equality. And I really think that it's important that we hear men's stories as well so that, that there can be true equality. Men are up against it. Oh, I agree. They really are. I could not oh, yeah. imagine having to deal with the pressures and the messages they're getting all the time. All the time. You know, there's this whole uh, be an alpha ma- alpha male. Yep. Bringing up two boys in the house. There's all these things around being tough and not feeling like you can cry. And all of us have emotions. Yeah. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. So, the crash. Yeah, and she doesn't, she refuses to call it an accident. Why do you think that that she makes sure to make that distinction when she talks about it? I think she wants to make sure it's clear that she was responsible for it, even though it wasn't on purpose. But it can still be an accident. I mean, I want to honor what she wants to call it, of course, but... But imagine those feelings after you you've kind of realized what's happened, right? She's and she her first th- thought is I am a killer. And she knows that life will never be the the same and that she can't believe this just happened. I mean to to sit there with those feelings and then you still have to deal with the practicalities of finding him, finding out how grievous his injuries are discovering that he is in fact 
deceased, to deal with all of that in this short amount of time. So hard to get the police on the phone, all that. And then to have this police officer make this terrible joke. Yeah, it seemed bad timing. I mean, comedy is tragedy plus time. Mm -hmm. This just happened. She's not ready to have a sense of humor about it. He probably really just stuck his foot in it. I doubt he was actually trying to make a joke. I mean, we all sometimes make jokes in situations where we don't mean to or uh, maybe because we're nervous or uncomfortable. Um, Or, you know, it could also be due to the fact that he has seen a lot of death and a lot of accidents and a lot of like bad shit. And so he kind of compartmentalizes a lot of it and can't really be with her in that moment in the way that she needs him to be. And she's clear that she doesn't blame her or anything. But for her, I I think it's fascinating that, of course, she fixated on that. Like, I'm not ready to to joke about this. She's to, to move from the heaviness of what's occurred in her experience to to then trying to filter in a joke it would feel really difficult to be able to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a Happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. What did you think about when she was talking about how she felt like um, the person that she killed and her were in it together? Like it was only he, she says only he and I had been on that road. It's like they have this eternal connection. Mm. That only they experienced. Of course, their perspectives are completely different. But it's Um, sort of like a symbiotic relationship of sorts. It's a tragic one, but it's the dead and the killer. It's powerful. And she did try to, you know, connect with the fam or understand, you know, more of his background. But it just didn't feel... Like she could go and talk with with his fam. I think it's hard to know because she's right. It's it's, it's so either they've accepted this as a part of life and they might encourage her connection because it is a very intimate connection that she had with their son, their brother. But it could also be like she mentioned, like some people that have lost ones in car crashes want nothing to do with the driver so how would she ever find that out she might not ever know 
it seems to me like her only solution is to to stand by and and if they come to her in whatever way that they need healing whether it's to hold her responsible and yell at her or to ask her questions or whatever it is I mean that's all that she can do is just hold that space for them and hope that if mm-hmm. if they need her if that would bring them peace in some way that they could come to her but yeah I don't think she can ever go to them well said Ellie you know, there's this couple times where it feels like there, she's holding two feelings at once, right? She has that feeling that if she did go to prison, it's okay. Because she, maybe collectively in her life, she's done enough bad to justify prison. And, and she doesn't deserve a good life because she's just killed someone. But then she waffles and, you know, also can hold the feeling that, but but she's just a 41-year-old woman, really still in the prime of her life. And she's an educator and she has a partner and she has a son that she loves. Like, she shouldn't go to prison, right? She's holding these two feelings at once. And just like, I think there's also two feelings like kind of held by people that might judge the situation. There was her cabin landlord who said to her, how could you not see him? You know, whereas his wife picks her up and says, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. It's like there's two ways to judge the this, this situation. I just imagine Highway 1 at night. It's not It's not easy to yeah, see. Yeah, you guys, if you don't know, it's super windy. It's super dark. It's, it's dark, 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 dark. Um, there's cliffs. It's it's not like there's not a lot of people it's walking. It's not a place where you'd walk on Highway right? One. It's not. It's definitely not a place where you'd cro- cross the street. There's no crosswalks. There's no stoplights. It's just this t- this high in a mountain range, windy road, the ocean right next to, you, and cliffs on the other side, and you would not expect to see a person out there. The, the people that are out there, they might pull over in like a little interchange where it's like a, a vista point where you get out to, to view. It's in the middle, it's of in middle of nowhere. And that is a curiosity. Like, what was he doing out there in the middle of the night? And why was he trying to cross that moment? What about her partner's driving phobia that she'd had all her life? And she called yeah. it, Shane referred to it as spooky. It definitely is spooky. It is spooky. It feels like a foreboding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She didn't smile until July the next year. That's, wow. That, I mean, that is a heaviness to carry with you. When she speaks, she sees she sees everything and everything, right? She talks about getting that same car back, the death car. And she went through this spell of bleeding really heavily. And she said she would bleed in that car the way he bled from that car. Like, to put these things together and say them out loud. God damn, it's so profound. And it's... Yeah, it's powerful. And it was almost like it was the only way that she could deal with having this car back. You know, sometimes because of finances or whatever, we have to 
keep driving the car that we killed someone with, you know, but for her to sit with it and, and, and almost accept that she's having this bleeding issue as a, as a, a form of, of empathy or, or that's what happens in that car. And she just has to deal with it. It's almost like everything that happens from now on, everything is symbolic and means something and it's always going to be connected to that yeah, one I think moment. So. I don't know how how it could not. And I think that she does honor his life by almost making the whole next or the whole rest of her life about him honoring him about writing about this and and in a way and changing people and making people more aware of the dangers of cars and the road and it she she truly is completely changed from this mm-hmm. this act this crash so she talks about sort of the power of talking this out with date with this man david and really sometimes just talking it out with someone wise can make a difference it's that again shining that light in a dark place and she says that brought her back and she talks about this book by uh pema chaudron uh the wisdom of no escape have you read that book no 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 have you i should i feel oh. like i should i i looked it up though and it's um the basics of it if, if people aren't familiar is that you can only experience real joy when you stop running from pain and that you have to embrace, again, two sides of every coin. You have to embrace happiness and suffering. You have to embrace intelligence and confusion. These are natural parts of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just sounds like through these things, she started to come back little by little. And then she talks of sort of like the residual aftermath of it, like... um she can sense a car crash coming in, in media and in TV and in yeah. movies. And again, she recognizes the way that that's used in storytelling. It's so it's a sudden plot shift and it's a sudden death. And just as it changes the course of a story in a film or TV show, of course it it does it to in her own life right she can see that so clearly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she you know i think her end message is we need to talk about car crashes people read her book and said after i read your story i drove home differently no yeah and i just i, I feel the same i mean listening to her story and just knowing like you said being complacent when you're driving or just distracted. like being in like distracted or being in that subconscious, unconscious, not unconscious, subconscious state. Um, just like going, it's like, whoa, yeah, I get here. You know, you're just kind yeah. of driving. It's like, okay, I have my whole family in this car. Right. There are people that walk around and jaywalk, you yeah. know, just being aware. Oh, how, how many of us have done that? where you're driving, maybe it's a long distance or whatever, and you go and you kind of come back into yourself and you're like, oh, my God, I 
Yeah, I wasn't paying, really paying attention. You just kind of get in a zone. I think we've all done that. I missed my exit. Yeah. And nowadays, like now you can talk on the phone. Okay, so I have an older car. And so I don't have one of those like screens on the front. But when I rent a car or drive other people's cars, it always has a screen. And I find the screen woefully uh, uh, non-intuitive. I, I, I have no idea how it works. <laughs> I, I've never really worked it out. But to me, it just seems like a big fat distraction because there's just so many options and buttons and I think it's so wholly distracting. And maybe once I spent time in a car with it for a long period of time, I'd get more used to it and figure out how it worked and can quickly push a button without taking my eyes off the road for too long. But as a person, T, that drives newer cars, what do you think about that little screen? Well, I find it very helpful. And in fact, I can just picture you in the car, just like, hopefully at a stoplight, just like hitting it and yelling at it. I just, I, I just want this to, and just so yeah. mad. It's like, yeah, I can see that. Oh, it's, it's fine for me. I mean, I, I do see how it can be distracting, but they don't like play movies or anything on it. But um, uh, my map is on there, so it's a bigger map. I can see where I'm going a little bit easier. Then I can change my music or change my podcast to the next one. Yeah. Or go. Th and then text messaging is nice. You just say it. You don't type. They try to make it like they take some safety measures. But if you're not familiar with it and all you're doing is hitting it and yelling at it, I'm sure not that's not very safe. I'm not all up on it the whole time. Either. But I think that's my point. Like, even with a Maps app, again, it's meant, it's meant to be an assistance, but I think it can be a distraction. Or podcasts. Like, I get excited when a podcast is like an hour because I know I don't have to worry about switching the, to the next one or something, like in the middle of a trip. Because if I do have to... And some apps aren't as in intuitive as others. Um, I'm fully taking the phone and looking at it, touching it, and you know, trying to set up the next episode. And I think it's completely distracting. When she says, "Am I allowed to remember him?" I think. I mean, I think she's allowed, and I think it was also probably inevitable with how sensitive and how connected mm. she is. You said, she, like, I mean, her mind just goes everywhere. I don't think she'll ever not think of him. And she says she can't cast him out of her heart, which I think is really beautiful. And I think she does. She uses her whole life to honor him and what happened. And ultimately, I think, you know, in the end, she said she wanted a life that did more good than harm. She wanted to be a do-gooder, you know. And it was so sad. She's like, oh, that ambition is just out the window now because of that moment. And the fact that, to, to me, the fact that she's trying and building up this awareness um, and even things she did before and, like, representing these people's stories and understanding other people's, you know, perspectives and bringing that into the world. I mean, she's done a lot of good. She's probably saved some lives with how much she's 
I bet she saved a lot of lives. It'll always be with her, but I don't think she should put herself in that category of not being a do-gooder. I agree. And she says so much. She we have so much less control than we think we do, and everything can change in an instant. And ain't that the truth? So be vigilant out there. Mm. Drive safe. Think of your responsibility to others on the road. Do you have anything else to you? Uh, just to continue on that, it's being hyper vigilant and knowing that, like the choices we make, we're we're responsible. For others as well. If you look out for others, that's just going to make the world a better place for us all. I mean, that that's a hell of a takeaway from this episode. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma slash Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. Please rate and review us on Apple and other places. Thank you to Shane for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. And thanks to the This Is Actually Happening team, including Whit Missledine and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Trimboli. And thank you to Kathy Seitz for editing this episode. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at traumabondedofficial or visit our website at traumabondedpod.com. We are trauma bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thank you for spending this time with us today. And thank you, T. I love you. Thanks, Ellie. Love ya. Trauma Bond.